Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Hey. Nine minutes after one o'clock. Good afternoon. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. This is Life Happens on SAFM. My name is Pimelo Modine. Well, welcome to the show. It's the 28th of December today, and I don't think it's a good day. I don't think it's a good day when we're looking at the numbers that are coming through on the number of infections we now are looking at in this country, COVID-19 infections. It's absolutely scary when you look at the numbers of people deceased, when you look at the numbers of infections overnight. We really, really have to be worried. So when we go straight to it. Let me just welcome on the show Limpopo Health MEC uh, on the line with us at the moment, Dr. Popi Ramatuba. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us, Dr. Ramatuba. Thank you for making the time to be with us this, this, uh, this afternoon. Uh, afternoon, Pimelo and audio listeners, and, and thank you very much for giving us this opportunity. MEC, you know, we've been hearing um, that the numbers are threatening, they are scary. What what can you report to us about the numbers in your province overnight? Yes, uh, our numbers are, are scary. Um, if we are to go back to look at how we were performing during the first wave, somewhere around April, May, June, July, you would have noted that we were one of those provinces, uh, actually the least in terms of uh, the numbers of infections. Mm. When we picked at that time, I remember the time when we had the highest number of people recorded within 24 hours. It was around 524, if I still remember well. But mm. when we said uh, we had the largest number of people who have been infected, but if you look what has been happening this past week, we have seen our numbers within 24 hours moving from 165 to 396 the following day, to from 396 to 676. And, and that tells you something is very wrong. The numbers are spiking. If you look in terms of percentage-wise, because unfortunately, some people still look at, no, you are not recording 14,000 mm. 14, uh, new cases in a day, but you are record, still recording 676. We must look in comparison with the province that we are dealing with and also percentage-wise to say the spike is at what percentage level. Uh, somewhere around November, towards the end of November, we were still recording within a period of 24 hours, around 15 cases. Sometimes when we say we have performed badly, we would be registering around 27, around 28. At most, it will be 50. So then then you will understand why we are saying the 676 number within 24 hours, it's, it's too much. So we, we did anticipate it, uh, Pimelo, I must indicate, we knew that our province is a tourism destination for many people. That is the first thing, mm. the, which was not much of a concern because together with our tourism department in the province and also um, our tourism agency, we, we worked hard towards educating our tourists on common diseases, including malaria and also mainly COVID-19, how they can protect themselves. Mm. And also our hotels and all our lodges, they've been uh, properly trained. That was not much of a concern. The much awaited uh, challenge that we knew was going to happen was the question of most of our young people 
for economic activities there in other provinces, mm. which had already been declared by the minister as hotspots. Mm. And we knew that come the, the 11th of December, that's when most of them are taking their annual leave so that they can come back home, especially that during Easter this time around, they did not come home because of the lockdown mm. effect. And also during that time, when we were talking to the people to say, uh, avoid coming to the province, at that time, Pimelo, most of the people did believe us. Most of the people were still scared of this virus that mm. we don't know. When we say, wear mask, don't do this, people were listening. That's why our performance was uh, uh, good at that time. But what we have realized is that people are saying, somehow this government has been lying to us to say, hey, there is this virus. It came, it passed, even this time around. They are lying to us, forgetting that what made you to survive during the first wave is that you were complying to what we were saying. Mm. Now that you have stopped complying and think we are lying, then you will realize that indeed we were telling the truth. But unfortunately, it will be too late for you to can come and tell us that you were we. We were telling you. you point out um, one of the facts that you know you are the better uh, performing provinces at the peak of this uh, virus earlier on in the year. Any learnings there that we can maybe adapt now? What, what we, we, we can say is that if the first is as I've indicated, uh, the virus came at a time when uh, in the province we had just uh, hosted, you remember the Wuhan. Yes. Hosting this, the, our, our repatriate from Wuhan was an opportunity which as Limpopo, during that time many people didn't understand mm. that it is for our benefit. Mm. It taught us to start studying the virus, to start to understand it because you are given this challenging responsibility as a province, then it means you must be ahead of your counterparts and learn and see how it spread, how it does. And we implemented all of those that... Uh, were in line with uh, the Wuhan. You remember there were times where we were forcing people to be isolated. Yes. If you don't isolate, we were going to isolate you. Mm. We were taken to court. We didn't care. But we were saying, if you want to beat this virus, you will beat it at a, a screening, a testing, after testing, trace the contacts, those who are positive, isolate them, those who are negative, but are contact, quarantine them. We were very strict at the beginning, and that really assisted us. And even when we, it, it also educated the people of Limpopo, because people were saying, oh, Poppy is bringing COVID in our province. Mm, now, mm. at that time, it was, it was seen as that the people now learn it was called Corona at that time. Mm. Now, that assisted us. And then we, we've been able to, that's the first thing. The second issue, we must remember that we were dealing with, during the first wave, we we're dealing with the current, the current, it's a different variant. During the first wave, we were dealing with uh, the, the virus that attacked mainly the elderly people. That's why even our schools uh, opened and we never lost a single learner mm. due to COVID in our province. And I'm not sure if at that time we even lost teachers, but there was a time wherein we had no teacher that we had lost due to COVID in the province. But the situation might not be the same currently because the, the virus did not even attack the young people at that time. Today we are dealing with a virus that is attacking young people. And when you want to stop the virus, give it to young people. They are the ones who are in the parties. They are the ones who are in all these social gatherings. Now, the, the third issue is that when you also look at, at the timing, 
you you are looking at the time where during that time we were under hard lockdown hard lockdown also reduces issues of road accidents that we are currently seeing in our province it reduces the issue of alcohol which is one of the major cause of burden of disease in our province today so today we are unfortunately dealing with the staff that is fatigued the reason why they are fatigued is because they if you look at casualty mm. here is someone with difficulty in, in breathing who could be covid positive here is somebody who came with a stab wound and the, the the blood is gushing the person is drunk you you automatically jump to the blood wanting to arrest the blood for getting an innocent elderly lady who has never been to outside their household she has been listening to the president when he said say stays home but her grandchildren would never listen to the president when to collect the virus come and infect the elderly lady and when she comes in the hospital another grandchild comes with a step wound doctors and nurses run behind the the grandchild who is got a step wound and then leave that granny the granny by the time we attend to the granny it's too late and granny demise mm. so that's the problem which i'm seeing which i have been saying to my colleagues even now i'll be having a meeting with them at two o'clock say let's look into this error when we triage our patients let's prioritize our COVID 19 because mm. we created beds specifically for them we released those beds when our cases yes were we lo- those beds were created for COVID. right now those beds are being occupied by the drunken step wounds and the drunken driving cases that got accident for me that's what we need mm-hmm. to, to look into that as, as, as the yeah. department. Let me, let me take a quick break, uh, MEC, and then to also take in calls, 011-714-2006. There may be people who've got questions for you, as well as on WhatsApp, 0614-104-107. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Dr. Popi Ramatuba is the MEC of Health in Limpopo, and uh, we are really looking at what is happening in the province there. And listen, we can take in your calls on 011-714-2006, as well as on WhatsApp and 0614-1047. Um, MEC, are we likely to see the return of the field hospitals? Uh, sorry, I couldn't hear you. Are, are we likely to see the return of the field hospitals? If you, if you remember, as a province, we, we never invested on field hospital our approach was slightly different what we did because looking at the resources that were limited was to empower our current uh, facilities where in each and every hospital we make sure that we upgrade an old world we will dilapidated what we we re um construct some of those and make sure that we we also have the relocables that we were using as words in new words for COVID-19 in all our hospitals, 43 of them. Mm-hmm. We did that because that is why when our numbers get low, we then converted them to be our surgical awards mm-hmm. because we we're starting to see a number of uh, trauma cases that requires admission. So hence I'm saying those words which were deviated to become surgical words must go back now mm-hmm. to deal with uh, uh, the COVID-19. So infrastructure-wise, we are not having a challenge. Okay. We do have wards in all our facilities. You remember our MDR uh, facility, even we have now opened it. We are starting to, to admit patients. Mm. One of our private facilities was full yesterday. They have uh, referred those patients to us. 
we have uh, transferred those patients to our MDR facility, which has got a uh, high oxygen flow machine and and I, um, a, a different ICU with with ventilators. Mm. So infrastructure is is not much of a headache. Uh, but the main problem that we are currently having is the one body that needs mm. to mend mm. those those infrastructures mm. and those infrastructures. Yeah. The, the one body I'm referring to our nurses and doctors. Yeah. They they are fatigued. Yeah. Honestly, they've never rested from level five lockdown. They've never worked virtually because it's impossible mm. to do a to treat a patient virtually. They've been there on the by side of the patient. Uh, we we are still fortunate in terms of the infection rate amongst our healthcare professionals, which is not uh, has not yet spiked. But we have seen an increase compared to what happened during the first wave. So now you you realize that if one professional nurse in the ward get infected, we therefore must book her off for isolation mm. and then also her, her contact because in the workplace where we are working, that's where you are exempted. Uh, uh, you can you can be infected if possible. But in other workplace, I'm failing to to exempt people to mm. say. When you are working in an environment, treat each other as if you are positive, mm. sanitize, wear a mask, don't come closer to each other. And, and that is, is possible to have your meetings virtually, to avoid going to bed, boardrooms and so forth. But you can't ask the nurses yeah. and the doctors to avoid that. And I've indicated earlier on, those who are working in trauma units, when they rush to resuscitate a bleeding patient, a trauma case, they don't think that that case might not necessarily be trauma only. They might be COVID positive. But when you rush to them, that doesn't come in your mind. You want to arrest that bleeding and make sure that you get the, the pulse back. If it's gone, you get to intubate the patient. That's what you are worried about. So in the process, many of our healthcare workers in trauma units are infected as we speak now. And they are forced uh, to be isolated. And there the shortage becomes very high. We are not seeing more money new money to appoint new staff. That is a problem, which we need to be honest because sure. the country doesn't have money. So people, if we say to you, stay home so that you stay safe, don't think because you've got a medical aid, you will survive. You will die with that medical aid. It won't save you this time around. Mm. Let's take a voice note, MEC. Hi, hi. Good afternoon, Pimelo. Um, thank you very much for this show. Uh, and enlightening it is to to also hear the hard cry of the MEC towards what is happening in the province. My question to the MEC is around the role that the borders play. Her province is directly located to uh, a border which has seen a lot of movement in the last couple of days. Uh, how has that aided or uh, what are the plans going into the new year to actually um, um, have a some form of a, a stop point where her, her, her officials can also uh, test people moving in and outside the country uh, using that border facility that uh, is next to her province. MEC, your response? Yes, uh, what we can indicate is that with the current, uh, the first uh, season, for instance, Christmas uh, season, most of the people are leaving the country. You are not receiving them. So, so that is why, if you remember what blocked the, the queue at the border, was because as South African government, correctly so, we said everyone at the border post must produce their results, which are not more than 72 hours. Not to protect South Africans, because we are living. We were protecting the very same neighboring countries 
which in return came back and started insulting our minister. And I felt it was unfair to do that. We were doing that as a country to be able to protect everyone, every citizen under the universe. Now, what happened? People, uh, captain of industry, the owners of the trucks, the owners of the buses, did not want to pay for the tax because they had that at the border post we put a mobile NHLS laboratory. That laboratory was meant to test somebody if you come and for whatever reason your results have expired uh, for 72 hours, we should be able to test you immediately and uh, do the antigen test and give you and then you can pass. But people now came without results and there was a long queue for a mobile center which is not meant to deal with the volume. And you saw the challenge that we were facing the past week. But the people were living, and that matter has been resolved between our two ministers, health and home affairs, because Port Health, we are working under the guidance of Minister Dr. Zelim and Dr. Mzolim, who is the overseer of the border post management. So what happened is now it has been cleared. We are anticipating that there would be the large volumes of people coming back after the, the, the year. That is why you will see us during the week as a province. We will be supporting uh, the, the, the port health. Uh, tomorrow we'll be there just to support the port health and, of course, uh, guided uh, by working with Home Affairs and all other stakeholders, South African police services, because they also have a huge role to play there, and all the other sectors will start to put a system in place. Uh, I will be there to represent my minister, which later on will be able to give the, the feedback so that they can assist. But also remember that uh, the National uh, Command Council will come and make pronouncements on how things are going to happen uh, when we open in January, whether we need uh, those results for you to come and pass. But we are prepared, even if the results are needed for those who are coming in the county, because it affects us directly as a county and as a province. We will make sure that you have got number of testing stations. Or people must also be told if you have got positive results, whether where you're going to quarantine yourself. Because as a province, we've already indicated that our resources are really limited currently. People who are coming uh, with, with positive results, we will not be allowing them to enter the country. Or people whom we test at the border and they're positive, they should be able to uh, self-quarantine before they enter the country. Hmm. Pat, are you calling us from Bulukwani? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for calling, Pat. Very fine, man. Uh, uh, let me greet the MEC. MEC, how are you? Fine, and how are you? Very fine. Look, man, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm having a concern here. Mm-hmm. As much as it is the Department of Health against the community that's not conducting themselves, very fine against this uh, surge. I'm also willing to put or throw something which the Department has to also put or do some introspection. Looking into the high underemployment uh, of uh, health professionals, in particular the nurses. I'm agreeing to, with you when you say they are tired, these people. I'm believing that they are tired, but I believe somehow, as the MEC, you should have actually reintrospect uh, the people that you have. I think there's a high unemployment or there's a high underemployment of, uh, of nurses in particular. And I believe if really this has to was was to be looked upon and taken into consideration very seriously. Uh, really, uh, I'm not saying we were to be hundred percent fine, but I believe somehow we were to go a little bit better 
this has to be also be done in conjunction with the social development. Because if you look currently, we need nurses and, 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 and also social workers to make sure that counseling is made, nursing are somehow counseling. When you go to the, the, to the department, actually, the, the, the Polokwane Hospital, and try to inquire as to what is happening, how do they manage this? I'm just assuring you, preliminarily before a person can be seen by the doctor, nurses have to overdo the, the job. But in instances of this nature, you find that the nurses are not there. And hence why, if really we can just iron the issue of doctors alone uh, disregarding the effect of nurses, we'll have this continuous problem. Okay. I'm saying for yeah. now, let we just use this as an opportunity to look at ourselves or yourself as a department to make sure that all the gaps are filled. And also, on the other hand, let you just look for spaces wherein we can then be able to accommodate other cases. I don't think this time, uh, or in this time of the, 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 the life challenges that we experience, it would be good for, for, for one to blame the community. However, as the community and the department, we have to work hand in glass. But what I'm suggesting, let you go back to the platform with the meetings that you have and make sure that all the posts are filled. If not, let we create posts for nurses and ensure that these people are going to do a well-done job. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't leave, Pat, because I think uh, the MEC may want to engage you. MEC, you were saying that um, you know there there is no money, right? That's what I want to to indicate here to say. Look, uh, why we why we focus on communities? We need to look at the basics. That's why we are even called the Department of Health, not that of disease. It's because ours is supposed to be a preventative approach. COVID nineteen is spreading within the community. Uh, the virus is there in our social gatherings. And unless we put all our efforts and most of our resources in, in fighting the spread, you know, you will never win this battle in your ICU because you don't even have the treatment for this virus. The only treatment that you have currently is your face mask, your, 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 your sanitizer, and your social distance. So I wanted to, to indicate to them to say, why, why as a province, at the beginning, our approach was a pushback strategy, making sure that very few people get infected, because we knew, given the resources that we have as a province, in terms of thinking you will fight it, let people be infected, fine, we will treat them, you will be lying to yourself. And that has assisted us in the beginning, and we are still going to use the same strategy now. Then secondly, coming to the issues of appointments, we are not refusing to appoint anyone, and we will never think that the hospital can be run by doctors. Actually, our shortage is not even on nurses alone. Mm-hmm. We've got a huge shortage when it comes to cleaners in mm-hmm. our facilities. I've raised it several times to say we need more cleaners. In the midst of COVID, infection control is very key. So you need that cleaner becomes much more very critical to make sure that after a doctor would have sutured that patient, there is proper disinfection and cleaning. And cleaning, clean, but not cleaners that we would have trained mm. to even understand how to stop the spread of the virus. So lastly, you have put it here. Resources are not permitting. What we have done with the budget that was allocated uh, to us during the first wave on human resources, we did advertise contract posts for professional nurses and doctors who will be working with the COVID. And we did appointed them. Their contract is coming to an end. We have made a submission to request that those contracts be extended 
so that they can continue to do the work. And it, I would be happy to appoint every single nurse that I come across, if resources permit. But female, in this province, we have inherited a province where 74% of the budget allocated goes to competition of employees, leaving us with 26% to buy oxygen, to buy medicine, to do all the other runaround of the, of the, of the department. And, and that's why you need to balance. Hence, you need new money for you to be able to appoint all the other people that you want to appoint. You can't just simply appoint when you have not been allocated. Otherwise, you are saying, let's appoint more nurses, but there won't be any, having any oxygen to give to a patient. There won't be having any medical equipment to use. There won't be any infrastructure. So, so that is where we find ourselves in. And we agree with him that, yes, we need to appoint not only doctors and nurses, but also even social workers for social development so that they go and assist us. And people are dying in different households. You need social workers to go and, and do the counseling and debriefing. But resources currently are not performing, uh, 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 assisting in, in, our, in our situation. <laughs> we have got serious uh, challenges that we are facing with regard to, to uh, our financial performance as a country, not just as a Department of Health. Let me take Ndinaye. You're calling us from Pulukwane. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, ma'am. Dimasia Reboi Messi. Dimasia Reboi Yes, ma'am. I, I, I just want to check um, one or two things. I heard you've uh, elaborated a lot about the Department of Health and what was the internal part and all those stuff. My understanding is that while you are talking about the focus on the community, and uh, furthermore, to say that. Uh, the Department of Health, uh, I think, uh, works hand in love with the other sister departments. My observation is like the following. You, last week, if not uh, hardly two, three days ago, you were talking about Chabani Mall. You were talking about the parties that are being held, I mean, in different places. And the Chabani Mall, as I know it, it is good. I think at one, two, three, if not four entrances. How come that well you don't enforce that well there are securities who are meaning bush gates? And then securities who are working at the Tabani Mall to say anybody who enters Tabani Mall is supposed to have a mask. And then the second thing is that well, if you are working hand in glove with the police, there are so many uh, so called shibins at the areas uh, like where uh, you know better. And those people are just uh, drinking 24-7. And yet we've got police who are supposed to monitor and check as to what to do and all those stuff. Like what is happening in Gauteng. Mm-hmm. We see those things on television. Some, 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 some people are being arrested. Some liquors are being taken away. Why can't it happen here in Limpopo? Uh, because it's like uh, Limpopo, we are, uh, uh, we are an island. I don't believe for once that, well, even if you are saying we don't have money, this sister departments do not have money as well. Uh, let me pause there. Thank All you right. very much. Thank you. Ndinawa, thank you so much for that question. Uh, MEC, I'll, I'll be back with you in a short while. I just need to take a quick break and then I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. I'm with the MEC of Health in Limpopo, uh, Dr. Popi Ramatuba, who is just responding to a question before we went to an ad break that came from uh, somebody who lives in Limpopo. MEC, do you want to respond to that question? 
Yes, uh, thank you, Pimelo. I think Dinaya has, has raised quite a number of critical uh, issues that is ra- uh, 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 which could mm. uh, and are going to assist us in keeping the spread. And this is what we have been uh, doing as a province. If you remember during our uh, uh, first wave, uh, mm. we have done that. So the Provincial Command Council, I must reassure you, did took a decision. We, we develop a, a, a program and, uh, for them to show how we can uh, assist each other as a different uh, member of the executive councils and also the executive mayor. So at the level of districts, I can t- tell you, Ndinaye, I was even on the phone uh, yesterday with the executive mayor to, to try to find, because we are now seeing them the district, which was one of the lowest uh, districts probably in the entire country in terms of the infection rate at some stage. But today in our province, it's now competing with Waterbeck District, which is a hotspot. And we realize that this whole issue of festive season, most of the people from where they are residing in other provinces and they are back. It's all this shipping that is referring to the, 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 the nest that was killed by people who were drinking. They were drinking from a shebin in the very same district that he's talking about from Hamasakona, the very same area that he's referring to. Now, what we are doing currently as a province is that all the district command councils, led by the executive mayor, they've been given the hotspot area where at that particular level, the executive mayor together with the head of police in that area and the head of health in that particular area and everybody, where we are available as MECs, we do join them. For instance, we've been having... Um, different roadblocks with the MEC for community safety. We have been visiting some of these cabins with the MEC for, for community safety. The fact that maybe media is not covering when we are raising some of these bottle stores does not necessarily mean we are not doing that work as a province. We are doing and we've been doing this work. It's just that as a province, we, we, do not, we are not having the, the, the luxury of housing. And I think a truth needs to be told that in housing, that's where all the media houses are uh, located. And uh, for them to cover such stories, they will be doing that. And what is important is that as a province, we, do, we, we, we are doing this work. And it, it's continuously being done. Uh, and it will continue to be done in all our districts. And we have noted that in the Tavani Mall, where he's raising that there are four entrances. I must tell you, I've visited. When you go to an area, they quick and you correct them. They quickly put those sanitizers. When you leave, they also stop. Mm. That is why I'm saying government can do everything. We can tell you wear your mask and then a person wear the mask when they see me. When I just make a U-turn, they took off the mask. So, so at the end of the day, when we say it's in our hands, it, it, that, is, that is where the problem is. Because people want think that they, there's a government that can go around putting masks on people and monitoring them. Uh, putting a tracker that everyone is wearing a mask, everyone is not going on it. It's not going to work. You must get the buy-in of the community to understand and to start to see that indeed people are dying. This is one virus, female, which is not um, a, a selective. Mm. It doesn't care who you are. It, even if you are a head of state or you are a minister of health, mm. it can attack you. We've seen uh, in other countries, money heads of state. We've seen uh, ministers succumbing to this. We've seen even in our country uh, MEC succumbing to this virus. So if people don't see that and still think it's a me, 
That is the problem. We will do our part as government. We'll go and do the monetary. We'll do the raising. If you raise them today, tomorrow, they continue. It still be people must buy in and start doing their part. Uh, we're going to have to leave it there. I'm so thankful for the time you've given us, uh, MEC Dr. Popi Ramatuba, who is an MEC of Health in Limpopo, and we're in serious trouble. I can tell you now from where we're sitting, we really are in serious trouble. I'll take more of your questions. I mean, we'll, 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 li- we'll line them up, you know, and we can also send some of those questions to the MEC's office. If you need more clarity on certain things, we can certainly do that. We're going to have to end it here, though, and continue with other stories, but you can certainly call us with any other comments, and you can can send us those WhatsApp notes on 0614 104 107.